We're going to start in the book of Judges, chapter 6. If you've been to church for any length of time, you have probably heard this story. It's a story uh, about the, the man named, uh, named Gideon. But we're going to pull out some truths from this story and uh, apply it to our lives. Because it's not just the truth that you hear that changes your life. It's the truth that you're able to put to work in your life that produces change. Judges chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now, the Israelites were just God's chosen people, the, God's people that he was taking, uh, took from a place of poverty and lack, took them into a place of abundance. Those were his chosen people. That's where the Messiah was going to come through. It says, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cliffs, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. They camped on the land. They ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, didn't spare a living thing for Israel, not a sheep, cattle, donkeys. They came up with their livestock or their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Why do we always wait until things are horrible before we cry out to the Lord for help? Before we grab our word and we try to find all the healing scriptures because I just went to the doctor and they just said some not so good things. My marriage is falling apart. Oh, I better find a scripture on that. Ugh, my mind is tormented. Oh, I better go find it. Why do we wait until our land is totally ravaged before we cry out to the Lord? We all have all kinds of reasons why we do that. But the amazing thing is, and the most wonderful thing is, when we cry out to God, he answers. Aren't you thankful for that? When we cry out to God, he answers. You know, I feel like where the Israelites were in this moment, I feel like it's where a lot of us find ourselves, if we're honest. Now, our fight was not maybe uh, like his fight, an actual uh, enemy, a human army. Our fight is not a human army. Our fight is actually a spiritual, is spiritual forces, which brings me to point number one, if you're taking notes. Our fight isn't a flesh and blood fight. We have to know that. Our fight is not a flesh and blood fight. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, this is not a wrestling match against a human opponent. We're wrestling with rulers, authorities, the powers who govern the world of darkness, and spiritual forces that control evil in the heavenly world. So our fight, when we feel like we're hiding out in a cave, we feel like we're so oppressed and overwhelmed, it's not your boss, it's not your spouse, it's not your dysfunctional children. It's, it, the Bible calls it rulers and authorities. It's spiritual wickedness in high places. So we live in this natural world, and we tend to think, I have to fight natural world problems with natural world solutions. So that's why uh, in lack, 
You know, when we're experiencing lack, we think, uh, I must be able to, you know, I'll just get another loan, I'll get another couple jobs, I'll beg, borrow, steal, I'll do anything necessary in the natural to fix my financial problem, thinking my financial issue is a natural issue, and it's not, it's a spiritual issue. That's why when we have any kind of symptoms in our body with any kind of sickness or disease, we tend to surrender to physicians and medication in hope for a relief or cure. But what we're dealing with in our physical bodies isn't simply natural. It's influenced by a spiritual force. Depression, anxiety, we think it's natural. It came from this world. It, we're experiencing it. I feel it. I'm overwhelmed with it. So we think we can fix it by throwing, you know, meds at it, maybe uh, alcohol, maybe some drugs, maybe some self-medication in a variety of different areas, not realizing that stress and anxiety is not a natural issue. It's influenced by a spiritual force. We have to know whatever it is that's making us run and hide is not a natural thing. It's spiritual. Because if we don't realize that, that uh, our financial situation, our physical situation, our relational issues, our family issues, our mental health issues, if we think that's all natural and we try to fix it in the natural, we'll never see total freedom in it because all of that is rooted in sin, dysfunction, and the spiritual realm. All of those are influenced by spiritual forces. That's why medicine cannot cure you. Oh, it can help. It can release some pressure and thank God for it. It's heading us in the right direction, helping and sustaining life and giving you some relief. But it's not your ultimate cure. That's why self-medicating doesn't give you the peace that you're looking for. Because it's not natural. It's spiritual. That's why another support group won't fix your addiction because your addiction is not natural. It's influenced by the spiritual realm. So we first, in order to find freedom in our life, have to realize that my fight is not a flesh and blood fight. Sin is a spiritual thing. When Adam chose to disobey God back in the garden, sin entered the world and it opened the door to every other evil thing. That's why when you're wanting to be free from sin, you don't throw good behavior at it. You don't try just to be more obedient and more nice and more kind because you in the natural can't fix the sin issue. It only can be fixed by one thing and that's the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. In the same way, when sin was allowed into this world because of Adam's disobedience to God's, uh, God's promises, God's plan for his life, when sin entered, that's where poverty entered, lack entered, dysfunction, strife, uh, sickness, disease, all of that entered. That's why all of those things, just like sin, it's a spiritual issue. So I can't just throw medication and expect my sickness to be dissolved. 
I can't just throw anxiety meds at my mental health and think I'm going to be free. I can't, again, throw just another self-help group to free me from my addiction. Just in the same way that sin has been destroyed and we've been free from sin is the same way we receive freedom from every other thing through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. This is good news. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have authority over all of those things. So I don't have to rely on meds. I don't have to rely on a self-help group. I don't have to, to rely on, on something else to fix this, uh, this spiritual problem. It's only through the blood of Jesus and the authority that came through him. In Colossians chapter 2, verse number 15, it says, Then Jesus made a spectacle of all the powers, principalities in darkness, It says he's stripping away from them every weapon and all of their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He He was not their prisoner. They were his. Sickness, disease, addictions, Mental illness, relational issues, strife, anger, your frustration, those things that have you hiding in caves, Jesus Christ has defeated by the power of his blood. And then I love this because in Luke chapter 10, it says this. Now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority. This is Jesus talking to you. Say this. Say this is Jesus talking to me. See, sometimes you read the Bible and you go, oh, this is for someone else. This is for you. It says, now you, now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. That's the enemy's kingdom. He says, you will trample upon every demon before you, overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. Okay, so number one, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, right? The things that we're hiding from, the things that we find ourselves in bondage to, the things that we're running and hiding and and just trying to make peace with, it's not a flesh and blood fight. It's a spiritual thing. But thank God, we have authority because of the blood of Jesus, so I no longer have to run and hide. I no longer have to self-medicate. I can stand in my authority, the authority that Jesus Christ gave me, all right? Let's continue with the story. In Judges chapter 6, verse number 7, it says, When the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. I delivered you from all your oppressors. I drove them out before you. I gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Don't worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and he sat down under the oak that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. This part kind of made me laugh a little bit because they were crying out to the Lord. God, we're in bondage. We're hiding. They're stealing everything. God, we can't do this anymore. God, we need your help. God, where are you? They're called out to the Lord. 
and he sent them a prophet with a word from the Lord. He didn't send them money. He didn't send them weapons. He didn't build a high tower around about them. He didn't send them fresh wheat from heaven. We know he could have. What did God send them? He sent them a word from the Lord. A lot of times we cry out to God thinking our answer is stuff. God, I need more money. God, I need more money. God, I need more money. God, I need, I need health. I need health. I need new kids. God, I don't like the ones you gave me last time. I need new kids. God, I need my husband to be better. God, I need, I need, I need. And God shows up with the man of God declaring the word of God, which brings me to point number two. Our answer is found in a word from the Lord. That is why church is so important. That is why our groups coming up Tuesday are so important. Because y'all are begging for a better marriage, but you will not get a better marriage until you get a word from God that you can stand on. Why is our financial class important? Because y'all begging for money, crying for money, can't come to church on Sunday because I need more money. Crying for money, but you don't need more money. You need a word from the Lord. I need health in my body. I need more medication. I need to go to the doctor again. I need, I need to be reevaluated. I need to have these tests reran because it's not, it's not how I feel. I feel worse than what they're telling me. You don't need new meds. You need a word from the Lord. That's why we are providing Tuesday nights for you. All right? So these people are crying out to God, and he sends them a prophet. I love this, because the angel of the Lord declares the word of the Lord and then goes sits down. I'm like, wait, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Sometimes we feel like that's where God is. God, you're just sitting down. He's waiting for you to do the word of the Lord, to yield to the word of the Lord. always made me laugh it's a word of the lord a word from god changes everything second timothy chapter 3 verse number 16 god has transmitted his very substance listen to this god has transmitted his very substance into every scripture for it is god breathed it will empower you by its instruction and correction I don't like that part. Giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper in the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment he gives you. Any assignment he gives you. You don't need more things. You need a word from God. Isaiah 55, verse number 11, God talking about his word. He said, so will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It doesn't return to me useless or without result, without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. The main thing we need in our situation is a word from God. That word might sound like, you need to forgive. Wait a second, I just need more money. What do you mean forgive? See, we don't understand the, the, the reason for lack again. 
The reason for a lot of dysfunction in our life, it's not a flesh and blood thing. It's a spiritual thing. That's when God, that's why when God shows up with a word from God, a lot of times to your brain, it is not going to make sense. How can me forgiving bring health into my body? Because you're operating according to a word from the Lord. I want you to give so seed into this person's life. I want you to stop talking like that. I want you to change the relationships in your life. A word from God is what we need. A word from God. So we need to be asking God, God, what do I need to see and what do I need to hear? When you come to church, God, what do I need to see and what do I need to hear? God, for today, what do I need to see and what do I need to hear? One word from God can change everything in your life, everything. Judges chapter 6, verse number 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared then to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I always love this one too. He says, pardon me, my Lord. But if God is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancient ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and he's given us into the hand of Midian. Point number three, blaming God won't move us forward. Point number three, blaming God won't move us for forward. So the angel of the Lord, he shows up to Gideon. He says, God is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon's like, me? If God is with me, then why? If God has good plans for me, then why? If God wants me healthy and wealthy and, you know, living the good life, then why? If God wants my kids to be mighty on this earth, then why? Why? Why is this happening to me? If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? Now, we, as good church-going people, we might not actually say this, but we definitely think it and we definitely act it. That's why we can walk in and the pastor can say, hey, let's lift our hands and worship because God is here and he wants to meet your every need. And we stand. What are we saying? It may not be coming out of our mouth, but our actions are saying, if God really wants that for me, then why? then why am I, my life a mess? Why am I dealing with this stuff? Why am I having to fight like this? Why me? Or God might, you know, the, the pastor stands up and says, hey, God wants to turn your ashes into beauty. And you're like, tch, tch, yeah, <laughs> heard that before. I ain't come back tonight. <clears throat> nope. No, not me. I ain't doing that. Because we're just like Gideon. When things don't happen like we think or we want it to happen, we think somehow God has abandoned us. But the truth is, according to Hebrews chapter 13, it says, for God himself, God, Yahweh, creator, God himself has said, I will never fail you, never fail you or abandon you. If we choose to see God as a God who walks out on us, one who abandons us, we can never experience God's faithfulness or the life that he wants to give us. 
Hebrews 11:6 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I think a lot of times we have a bad view of God. So religion has told us that if we fail somehow or if something bad's going on in our life, it's God's judgment. You know, we must deserve it. So it's hard to run to a God who you think is ready to judge you or, uh, you know, is the one that's causing trouble in our life. We won't run to him for help. But I can tell you, God will never leave you or forsake you. God is for you. His mercies are new every morning. His life and plan for you is still good. God is good and God is faithful. It says the Lord turned to Gideon then in verse number 14 and he says, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So the Lord looks to Gideon and he says, I want you to go in the strength you have and I want you to save Midian out of his hand. Am I not sending you? Gideon says, pardon me, Lord. <laughs> How can I save Israel? <laughs> My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my own family. The Lord said, I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, living none alive. The worship team can go ahead and come back up. This is my last point, but it's the most powerful. Point number four, we have to do something with what we think is nothing. We have to do something with what we think is nothing. God looks at Gideon and he says, I want you to go in the strength that you have. The strength that Gideon has. I mean, come on, God. <laughs> He's hiding in a cave. He's freaking out over what's going on right now. He's extremely full of insecurity and weakness. And you're telling him to go in the strength that he has? That doesn't even sound right. Go in the strength that you have. Gideon stands there and he's like, strength I have? I don't have any strength. God, you got the wrong guy. I don't have the necessary thing that's needed, the thing that's needed for what you're asking me to do. I don't have what it takes to do what you're telling me to do, and God says, that's perfect. That's perfect. See, a lot of times I think God shows up to us and he's asking us to do certain things. Well, God, I am not. You want me to go talk to them? I can't even talk right. God, you want me to give? I really don't even have any money. God, you want me to start a business? I don't even know how to do that. God, you want me to, to bring my family to church? God, you know I am just not the church kind of guy. Come on, I just don't know. I'm just not. You picked the wrong guy. It's not. I am weak in this area. I've got issues. God says, perfect. But I got issues. Randy's been talking about it. I've got ashes. I've got an ash pile. Do you see the mess I've been making? God says, perfect perfect. God is not afraid of what you call weakness. We tend to want to hide our weakness. I mean, when you're taking selfies, 
Y'all have a good side. And why do you want to post the good side? Because the bad side needs help. Right? Or you have filter after filter after filter after filter. Why? Because we all want to hide our weakness. If I have an inability in an area, um, you know, I'll make excuses just so I don't have to show you my inability. We tend to want to hide our weakness. Some of us in this room, you've probably been asked to be on a dream team, and you're like, but I got a weakness. I don't do people. (laughs) I don't do nice. (laughs) God says, perfect. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, Paul was dealing with the very same thing. Man, something's coming at him all the time. He's just like, ugh, dealing with the same thing over and over. And Jesus said to him, my grace is always more than enough for you. He says, my power, God's power, finds its full expression through your weakness. Did you know when you bring your weakness to God, you give him an ability to show himself so faithful and strong through you? I still find it so amusing that God has allowed me or called me to stand on a stage and talk to people. It's not that I don't feel like I can. It's just not my comfort zone. When I walk into the room, I'm not one that walks to the front. I'll stand in the back. It's just my humanity. It's my DNA. It's my weakness. I'd rather hide. I just would. But God shows up and says, I want you just to surrender to me what you think is nothing and watch what I can do with it. I'm still amazed how people will come and say, you look so confident, you're just so bold up there and you just declare the, that is the goodness of God. That is this right here, the full expression of God through my weakness. It's God's full expression through my weakness. So Paul says, I'm gonna celebrate my weakness. Because when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. First Corinthians chapter 127, it says, but God chose those who the world considers foolish. God chose those that the world considers foolish, those who think they are wise, and God chooses the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. Why? Because God's, the full expression of who God is shows up when you surrender your weakness to him. When you give him the something that you think is nothing. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12. Paul finds himself in prison, and I love this. Paul finds himself in prison for declaring the word of God. And a lot of us, when we find ourselves in a place of bondage, a place where we feel locked up, a lot of times because of, you know, things maybe we, we were doing right, but just the enemy's opposition in our life, we find ourselves, you know, in a prisoned place. We tend to want to hide that and, you know, shame. We, 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 it, that tends to want to produce shame in, it, but in us. But Paul says in 2 Timothy, he says, that's why I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of where I'm at. 
I'm not ashamed of what I've been through. I'm not ashamed of the divorces, the bankruptcies. I'm not ashamed of the failed relationships. I'm not ashamed of the physical battles I've conquered. I'm not ashamed of any of these things. I'm not ashamed of it. He says, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure, I am sure that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. It's time, church, that we get up and we get out of the cave. It's time that we get up and we get out of those confining places that this world structure and system has subtly pressed and pressured us into. So whether the world system has pressured you into a place where you're like, you know, this is what I've been diagnosed with and this is what I'll die with, or he's pressured you into a place where I'll never succeed. I've already lived my best days. My retirement's already spent. I don't know. All my investments have went up in smoke. I don't know what to do here. And I'm just going to hide. And I'm just going to isolate. And I'm going to somehow hope God comes through with me. Or maybe you're battling, you know, addiction after addiction after addiction. You're doing good. You're doing good. You're doing good. Oh, I'm falling back. I suck. My family hates me. I'm a disgrace. Maybe you've been married three times and your marriage right now is not doing very well and you're like, I just suck at marriage. I just forget it. Whatever it is, it's time for us to get up and come out of the cave. Your fight is not a flesh and blood fight. It's a spiritual fight and God has given you authority through Jesus Christ and the redemptive work of the cross and we can stand boldly knowing that Jesus Christ backs us up. We have to know that our answer is in a word from God. God, what's our word that we can stand on? Can I challenge you to be more hungry for this than ever? That somehow, some way, you make agreements with yourself and be disciplined enough before you turn on Instagram, so in any of your social media and your snap and be reels, that you will actually go to the word of God and find your word to stand on concerning anything that you're facing right now. Get the word of God because it's the word of God that will change your life. Stop blaming God. Stop blaming people. Stop blaming things. God is for you, not against you. He's your way out. He's your help. And then surrender to God what you think is nothing. We have to start giving God our yes instead of our excuse. When we give God our yes instead of our excuse, he makes miracles out of it. We'll go on to see, you know, Gideon is giving God his excuses. God's still so faithful. He says, but I'm with you. It's different this time. I'm with you. I'm with you. What does Gideon do? Go, okay, if you're with me, here we go. If you read the rest of Gideon's story, he's the one who, you know, God go to, you know, gave him the ability. You're going to go and you're going to destroy the army. He's like, okay, let me get all of my men, my thousands of men. And God whittles it down to 300 because God likes to work in impossible situations. 
What seems impossible to us, God can do great things out of it. I want to encourage us today to say yes instead of make excuses and watch God make miracles out of our life. Let's all stand in this place. Father, we thank you today for who you are. God, I believe you're doing mighty things. God, I do believe that your word was sent forth. God, it was sent into the hearts of people. God, today I receive your word spoken to me. God, I refuse to make this a flesh fight. God, I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ. So in this moment, God, we refuse to run and hide from sickness and disease. We refuse to hide because of lack. We refuse to hide because of relational issues. Father, right now we draw a line in the sand and we stand in the authority that Jesus Christ has given us. Father, by the power and the authority of the redemptive work of the cross, I declare bodies in this place healthy and whole. God, I rebuke every blood disorder in Jesus' name. God, I command the blood of Jesus Christ to flow through our veins. God, we say yes to that. God, we ask that you restructure and reconstruct everything in our bodies that's out of order in Jesus' name. God, I speak to backs to come in line with the word of God. God, I command every joint, every tendon to come in line with the redemptive work of the cross. This is not a physical fight. It's a spiritual fight in which you have given us the authority. So Father, I take authority over blindness, spiritually and physically. God, I speak to every eye to see clearly in Jesus' name. God, I command lungs to be healthy in Jesus' name. I command allergies to bow their knee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We refuse to believe that because we live in the valley, it's just part of living in the valley. God, we drive it out by the blood of the redemptive work of the cross in Jesus' name. God, I command digestive systems to function properly. God, I command stomachs, intestines, God, bowels, colons, to completely be completely restored by the power of the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ. God, I speak to every tumor, every lump, every cyst, and I command you to be gone by the power and the authority of the redemptive blood of Jesus. I command chemical imbalances in the brain to come into order by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
God, I command every brain dysfunction. Anything that's not balanced, God, including autism, attention deficit disorder, learning disabilities, God, a misalignment of things in the brain. God, whether it's been done because of our own stupid behavior, through drugs, through alcohol. God, we believe just like you saved us through the blood of Jesus Christ, you make all things new, even in our bodies, God. God, we have repented of that way of life. And God, I believe that you bring restoration and you make all things new. God, I speak to memories. God, those memories of things that we have done and things that have been done to us that have caused us to feel disqualified and full of shame. God, we place it under the blood of Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And we declare we are no longer bound by that. And God, you are make your full expression known in that area of weakness and humanity in our lives. God, in our children, God, our relationship with our children, our relationship with our parents, God, I ask that you bring such a forgiveness and love, God, that your breath would blow, God, that there would be reunification, God, that there would be such forgiveness and restoration, God, that there, we would choose to let go of the past so we can move forward. God, I ask that the hearts of fathers would turn towards children and the hearts of children would turn towards parents. God, that we would see a mighty move of your spirit as you've called it to be. God, financially, we will not be in lack. God, we refuse to withhold. God, we refuse to withhold. We open up our hands. We have open hands. God, if you, you bless us, you get it to us, you get it through us in Jesus' name. God, I believe that you're move, re removing limitations. God, those who say, I'm on a fixed income. Well, you might be on a fixed income according to the world's standards, but there are no limits in the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. You might think you're on a fixed income according to the world system, but as a giver, as a seeker of God's kingdom, there are no limits. No limits. Celebration Church, we're going to operate according to the Word of God, and we're going to see the Word of God come to pass in our life. Father, we thank you for that today. God, we thank you for that today. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, Jesus, ah, he loves you so much. He lived a perfect life. The Bible said he took on himself on purpose. On purpose he took on himself sin. On purpose, he took on himself your dysfunction. On purpose. You didn't have to beg him for it or beg him to do it for you. Please, please do it. God, Jesus said, I'll do it. He on purpose took your sin. He on purpose took a beating so you can walk in health. Not be on meds all your life. Not living from surgery to surgery. 
He took a beating so we could walk in complete health. It says he became poor. On that cross, he took every bit of lack, disorder financially, wrong relationship with money. He took greed. He took lust. He took it all on that cross on purpose. He chose to because he loves you so very much. He doesn't want to see you struggle here on this earth. He doesn't want to see you hiding in a cave, not fulfilling purpose. Jesus Christ came to destroy the works of Satan. Jesus Christ chose to on your behalf. So today, I want to give you the opportunity, man, just to open up your heart and say, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, I am tired of living my life my way, and I open my heart to you, and I say yes to you. If you want to make a decision for Christ this morning, I want you to raise your hand up high. God, I relinquish my way for your way. God, I say thank you for your redemptive work. God, I cannot do this on my own. I want you to pray this after me, all of you who have your hands raised and all of us in this room, actually. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming, for choosing to take my sin, my sickness, my disease, my lack, my weakness, my dysfunction, for choosing to take it upon yourself. I receive it today, God. I receive you today, Jesus. We receive you today, Jesus, and we give you thanks. Let's all raise our hands in this place. God, we thank you today. Say thank you out of your mouth. God, thank you for the authority that we have in you. Thank you for the word of God that brings truth and revelation to us. God, we thank you that you're for us and not against us. God, we thank you that you take our weakness, God, and you show yourself the full expression of who you are. God, we give you thanks. We give you glory for that. In Jesus' name, can we sing something? Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 